When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 32 of Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by our patron supporter, Lena Darling. I'm Becca. And I'm Bethany. And uh, we are once again Ashley List. Poor, poor Ashley still doesn't have a voice, but hopefully she'll feel better in a couple of days. Hopefully. I miss her. I know. So you and I just talked yesterday morning, but how are you? (laughs) I'm doing quite well. How are you? Good. It was very exciting. I want to say a quick thank you to Lena Darling. I posted the Patreon and within like 10 minutes, she had joined. I felt very special. I almost started crying. I was like, I woke up my husband. I was like, oh my God, look. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Amazing. This blew my mind. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so a big thank you to Lena, darling, because we, we really appreciate you. So Huge, yeah. I also felt a little bad because my book recommendation was one she already read, so I went ahead and sent her some other authors to look up. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. dear. It's actually one that I haven't read yet. So Yeah, so to find out what book it is, you'll have to go and join the Patreon. And remember, you can join for only $1 a month, so we tried to make it as affordable as possible and no matter how much you donate, you'll get the same perks. So we appreciate however much you can help us out. Absolutely. So let's talk about this fan art because it made me so happy. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. We here have fan art of Dr. Erland. It's by Melinda Hendricks Art on Instagram. And it looks like a pencil drawing, I'm assuming. It looks like a pencil drawing. I was actually so... I've been trying to find fan art of Dr. Eoland and Contorn, and I just have not been successful. And so I was like, I'm just going to Google. And I Googled, and it popped up on her Tumblr. And on her Tumblr, she had a website. And on her website, she had a contact button. And I was like, I hope she reads these. And she did. She messaged me back in a couple of days and said we could use it. So I'm really excited that we finally got some Dr. Eoland. And I, did you notice he has a mustache? Yes. Okay. And it's <laughs> so great. Does it? anywhere in cinder that that is the type of hat that he wears yeah did it ever describe oh okay they specify newsboy cap oh right yeah right, right, right. okay what it doesn't specify is the mustache mm-hmm. he does not have a mustache but for some reason i always pictured him with a mustache sure i don't know why it's just in my oh. brain yeah. yeah well it's perfect and he looks short, which he is. He looks like he has a short torso and a long lab coat. So I was like, yeah, he actually does kind of give off the appearance of being short in stature, which yeah. is how he's described. So that's really cool. I love this Dr. Erland because it's literally just him. There's no background or anything else. And I can still tell that he's short. So, like, how did they I, do that? I think it's because his torso is short. His legs don't give off an impression of being, you know, much longer than his torso. And the lab coat, which usually goes to mid-thigh, is oh. at the knees. Oh, yeah. Because I was, I was thinking the same thing. 
he looks yes okay and also he has a pen or stylus and he is writing on what i assume is some sort of port screen and it's clear we talked about in the chapter it talks about him writing on the port screen with a stylus so i'm pretty sure that's what this is yeah is it ever said though that port screens are see-through I don't think it is, but I think that that's cool. And I wouldn't be surprised if it were true, especially with the hologram yes. that they have going on. Yeah, for sure. I super kind of hope that they are now. And so now in my head, they are. Yes, I know. And I like that, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. And there's so much detail in the movement of the clothing. There's creases where his elbows are, where you can see like the leaning of his pants ruffling up on his shoes. That's another reason I think it, you can tell he's short because his pant legs are kind of baggy on his shoes. Yeah. Most men's pants, at least my husband, maybe because he's really tall, their pant legs rest on their shoes. They don't have like yeah. a bagginess to them. So yeah. that might also be another reason why it's easy to tell that he's a little bit on the shorter side. Yeah, and it looks like also his like cuffs of his sleeves might be a little folded. Yes, because his arms are bent. So you would think that they would be, you know, kind of moved mm-hmm. up the arm a little bit, but they're hanging on the wrist. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of effort that went into this picture. And I think it's really clear who this is. And how accurately it depicts him. And I like that he has that facial expression because he's constantly being described as giddy. And I think in this, he kind of looks giddy and vague and mysterious. And that's exactly what Dr. Erland is. Even in the last chapter, he is giddy and vague and mysterious. Absolutely. And I love the way he's kind of giving a little side eye. He looks mischievous. Mischievous is a great word for it. Yeah. So this was absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Melinda Hendricks Art on Instagram for letting us share this. And remember, if you want to share your fan art, all you have to do is email us at princekaifanpod at gmail.com or send it to us on our Instagram. And we have a new review. Okay. So today we got a review from Danny Skye from Canada. And the headline says, great listen, and it gives five stars. They say, never really read the books, but definitely more interested in reading them after listening to this podcast. I love the fan art segment you guys did in the episode I listened to. Keep it up. And then a little, I don't know what that is. Rock on. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) So big thank you for sending that our way because we love getting new reviews. And one more thing before we do chapter discussion, because I don't want to forget you may remember Cheshire.Lunar.Anarchist from last week's episode. She provided us with that lovely artwork of Peony and Cinder's hands reaching for each other and removing the ID chip. She actually has a Redbubble account where she sells some of her artwork on t-shirts and phone cases and things like that. So if you are interested in taking a look at some of that, go ahead and visit reddouble.com. And you can find her cheshire.lunar.anarchist on Instagram for more information about some of her artwork. So Nice. Okay, so chapter two of Scarlet already. Oh my goodness. Okay, we left off last chapter, chapter one, we had met Scarlet. We found out that her grandmother is missing. We got to see a little bit of her vegetable business. And we pick up in chapter two, still at the tavern. 
The first thing I noticed was frites because I was like, I don't know what that is. And I Googled it because it's italicized. And we learned in the last book that Marissa Meyer italicizes things that are in other languages. And that is basically American French fries. Yeah. And I only knew that they were frites or palm frites, palm being potato, because I had asked my friend Sandy, one of my college roommates, what the French word for French fries was, (laughs) because she was, I want to say she double majored in French and international business. Anyway, she lived in France a lot as a kid and has lived in Belgium and studied abroad sophomore year and all that. So I knew that one. That's cool. Yeah, I always like when Marissa Meyer does stuff like that to make it just a little bit more authentic. And so, yeah, she's at the top. Scarlett is at the tavern. And Gilles is in the kitchen preparing food and she's like, pay me. And he's like, take this to this table. And she's like, I don't work for you. And I was like, yeah, she doesn't work for you. (laughs) She doesn't work for Gilles, but she does it anyway. She's like, I don't work for you. And then she like takes the plate anyways. (laughs) Clearly she does work for him. She just doesn't get paid. Right. And then he's like, well, just be thankful I'm not making you scrub away the tomatoes. And I was like, okay, well, at least the tomatoes would be, like, appropriate since she made the mess. (laughs) Whereas this is just you being like, hmm, go be my waitress for five minutes. Exactly. Yeah, the scrubbing, you know, the, hey, can you please clean up the mess you made of my business seems, you know, yeah, asking her to clean up a mess that she made of his business seems justified. But making her be a waitress for free is not as much. And right here, pretty quick, we get more of a description of Gilles and his, like, attitude about just making Scarlet work for him and stuff, for some reason, seems totally not a surprise to me, knowing that his shirt used to be white and it's yellow from years of sweat and I'm just like you can picture this guy like he's just one of those like dirty tavern like gruff kind of French dudes you know I so, like have you seen men in black I have not oh then you don't know what I'm talking about um there's a scene in men in black where a gentleman wearing a similar outfit to the way that it's described on Gilles delivers food to a table and a cockroach comes out of his sleeve. And as soon as I read the sentence that uh, white shirt yellowed from years of sweat, I was like, oh, gross. That's what I'm picturing in my head. So I wonder if anyone who's seen Men in Black is now going to picture that thanks to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because the first paragraph of this chapter it's talking about this ham sandwich and he's ladling bechamel sauce. And I'm like, Ooh, that one's kind of good. Like I could go for a ham sandwich with some fancy French sauce. And then we hear that Gilles is like dirty and gross. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is not a good sandwich. <laughs> I don't know. And it's also like tavern food kind of depends on the place because like bar food and tavern food are two different locations. But for some reason, this place just seems like a bar. Yeah. Although, like, with it being French, they're not doing, like, American bar food, you know, fried pickles, onion rings, nachos. They're doing, you know, yeah, wings, yeah. They're doing ham sandwiches with bechamel sauce. But the fries, yeah. Yeah, greasy spoon bar, kind of dark, dirty. 
They probably didn't wash the plate very well. Dingy. Yeah. It's um it's the hog's head. It is Gio <laughs> <laughs> is like the I'm picturing him as like short and chubby and gruff. He's like the short, chubby, gruff version of the tall, skinny Tom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Gilles gross. And I'm actually starting to get the impression that Scarlet is quite violent. Um, because her fingers are twitching with the fantasy of chucking the sandwich at the back of his head. And uh, not just potatoes. <laughs> Not just that, but also because in the last chapter, she was throwing her port screen and cracking it with her fingers. And then we get to the tavern and she's throwing tomatoes at the building. And now she wants to throw things at the back of Gilles' head. Later, she punches a guy in the face. It's like, okay, this girl might have anger management issues. Yeah, she's definitely got some pent up aggression that is having trouble responsibly being let out. Um, but thank goodness her grandmother's stern face, the thought of that stops her from actually chucking a plate at his head, because that probably would not have gone over well. Yeah, she was concerned about losing one of their best customers. Yeah, yeah. But we do get um, the impression here that her grandma is, like, obviously a very important figure in her life, because we haven't had any mention of her parents but, you know, she's worried about her grandmother being disappointed in her. And I think that that might be a clue as to the kind of relationship she has with her grandmother. Absolutely. Yeah. It seems to be the two of them are definitely close. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to read the description of the tavern because I liked it so much. Yeah. It's a good setting. It's good world building. <laughs> this is on top of page 12. The Ryu Tavern was not a nice place. The floors were sticky, the furniture was a mismatch of cheap tables and chairs, and the air was saturated with grease. But in a town where drinking and gossiping were the favorite pastimes, it was always busy, especially on Sundays when the local farmhands ignored their crops for a full 24 hours. Okay, I don't know about you, <laughs> but I grew up in a small farm town, and this Reminds me of the bar in my small farm town and how it is on Sundays and the kind of people that are there and the kind of alcohol that they sell. And I can hear the pool sticks cracking in the background. And <laughs> I love it. I have truly no real life frame of reference for a location like this. I grew up in like suburban city and did not set foot in a bar until like the day before my college graduation. I just like, I, we went to old Chicago all the time because they had dollar beers and like dollar pizza. <laughs> and I never went to bars and I'm just not familiar. But it kind of reminds me of this pizza place actually that my mom's coworkers used to go to when I was a kid. And it was like kind of a I don't know, rundown's probably the wrong word, but like it had red carpet on the walls and like there were always kind of rowdy big groups of people and she was working in a print shop and yes, it was at a Catholic university, but it was a print shop, you know, so they were a little bit rougher people too and it reminds me of that, I guess, but I so get it, the, the clacking of the pool balls and stuff. I don't know where in movies and TVs I've seen locations like this but I can definitely picture it 
I also kind of picture, did you ever watch Veronica Mars? No. Oh, I love Veronica <laughs> Mars. Apparently my pop culture knowledge is like non-existent. No, we're just from different backgrounds, you know, but I didn't start watching Veronica Mars until a couple of years ago. I didn't watch it when it was on air, but there's a an Irish family that owns a bar, of course. And uh, <laughs> I was picturing something kind of similar because their bar is like they're a gang, like an Irish mob. So no. their bar is kind of, yeah, so their bar is kind of seedy and a little sketchy. And, you know, you walk in and you can smell smoke and things like that. And they don't talk about cigarette smoke in here, but I have a feeling people are probably smoking, especially since, I, okay, smoking is not nearly as frowned upon in Europe as it is in the, in the United States. Yeah. And while I don't know what the situation is, you know, hundreds of years in the future, but for now, for the sake of it, we'll assume that it's not gotten any better. You know, not that there's anything wrong with it. For example, I lived in Illinois most of my life and then Nebraska, and now we live in Mississippi. And it was quite a culture shock to walk into a restaurant in Mississippi and have them go smoking or not. I haven't mm-hmm. heard that since I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Oh, 12 years. Wait. Yeah, no, that's about right, actually, because, yeah, I was going to say, when I was 17, I worked at Romeo's. Okay. <laughs> so, for those not familiar with Omaha, it's Romeo's Mexican food and pizza, <laughs> and they're a typical restaurant, and their little mascot is da- a dancing cactus, and it was a very smoky place in the 90s, very, very smoky, and I don't remember... When the laws changed in Nebraska, I feel like I was living in Illinois when the law changed in Illinois. And then when I came back here, it had also changed here. Just like a little information, because I want to be transparent. So I was a smoker for several years, smoking mostly with my friends and when I was drinking. Uh And uh, every once in a while, I'll have like a fancy vanilla cigar thingy because I like to be fancy. I don't condone it. I'm not encouraging smoking. I'm just being transparent and honest. And I remember flying from, I think I was 19, and I was flying from Chicago to Atlanta to California to visit my family. And I got stuck in a layover in Atlanta for four hours, and I was only supposed to be there for 20 minutes, and I already finished my book, and I had no money. So I was, like, super frustrated, super stressed out, and I was like, Oh, I wish I could just like sit down, smoke a cigarette, calm myself for a second. And I was just like wandering around the airport and they had a smoking section. And it had, and I don't know if anybody else remembers these, it had a vendor. It had one right in the entryway. Yeah, because there used to be vending machines with cigarettes and you would just put your money in and it would rotate just like, a, you know, a can of pop or something. And you would get like a little pack. And it would come with, like, a little thing of, uh, like, four or five matches. Like, that was going to help you. But it had, like, a little thing where you would get four or five matches kind of taped to the back of the pack. And I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. (laughs) So I just popped my money in and got it and went and sat down. And uh, I'm 30 now and look like I'm 21. So when I was 19, I looked like I was 7. And I had to show my ID to, like, five different people who saw me sitting there smoking and it probably didn't help that the only thing I had with me was the third Harry Potter book so I just started reading it again that's hilarious I'm sorry you (laughs) (laughs) just walking through an airport and seeing a 12 year old reading Harry Potter smoking a cigarette (laughs) I get so many like even especially when I was younger 
But like even now I get people who are shocked to find out my age because I just have like a, I don't know, maybe like a, I think it's my cheeks. I got, yeah. I got chubby cheeks and they kind of make me look a little younger than I am. And usually most people think I'm young and then they hear me talk and they assume I'm older because of the way that I speak and the way that I carry myself. But just at quick glance, they'll think that I'm really young. And even now I just turned 30 and I've had people who are like, oh, you, you, you drink or, oh, like my, my boss has a daughter in college and a daughter in high school. And on multiple occasions, I get people that think I'm her daughter in high school. And I'm like, I don't know. I I look young, but I don't think I look that young. But (laughs) people dress more provocatively now and people wear more makeup now. I don't wear any makeup at all. And that might be another thing. You know, people see someone without makeup and they assume they're a little bit younger because maybe that's why they're not wearing makeup, you know. But yeah, I could definitely like picture this being a place where people would smoke. I don't think that I look young, but I really like the color pink. I almost always wear pigtails and I sound like I'm five. So from a quick glance, I sometimes am mistaken for younger, but I don't think I could ever pass for not old enough to smoke. I, well, I was 19 at the time. So, I mean, I was barely old enough to smoke anyways, but I got people that were thinking I was like 13 or 14. I was like, "Eh." I mean, I'm also really short. That doesn't help. You know, I'm only five one. That's not that doesn't help me look older. But uh, I think that you look young because I remember being very surprised to find out how old you were because I thought you were only a couple years older than me. Yeah, I feel like we're closer to the same age than we are sometimes. And then other times I realize how old I am and how young you are. <laughs> like, I, it depends on what we're talking about. I feel like it's because a lot of our interests overlap and a lot of those interests are from when we were a certain age. And so... It kind of doesn't feel like there's a gap there, but there, there is. There's a little bit of a gap there. For sure. Yeah. But we're at this bar, and Scarlett is reluctantly delivering food. And we find out that it's the day after the ball, and they've been playing footage from the ball ever since the day before. And Scarlett has heard descriptions of this footage, but it seems like she hasn't actually seen it yet. Yeah, should we go ahead and describe what she sees? Everyone was talking about the Eastern Commonwealth's annual ball, where the Lunar Queen was a guest of honor and where a cyborg girl had infiltrated the party, blown up some chandeliers, and tried to assassinate the visiting queen. Or maybe she'd been trying to assassinate the newly coronated emperor. Everyone seemed to have a different theory. The freeze frame on the screen showed a close-up of the girl with dirt smudges on her face and strands of damp hair pulled from a messy ponytail. It was a mystery how she'd ever been admitted into the ball in the first place. I really love that throughout this chapter, we kind of get a like an outside look at what we just went through with Cinder. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I love this. Also, she did not infiltrate the ball. She was an invited guest of the emperor. I just want to make that clear. Okay, that, yes. Well, that is clear to us because we know. I know, but it... (laughs) It bothered me. From an outside perspective and, you know, with the fact that governments are not very transparent in general, you know, I'm sure that Prince Kai or Emperor Kai is not coming out there and telling all of the nations of the world, oh, yeah, she was totally, like, my guest, so it's cool. You know, no. (laughs) She needs to save face and protect, you know, his interests 
and his country, you know, so you're not just going to admit that to everybody willy nilly. But I um, do like I do like that we get a time frame of what like time of day it is and when it's happening, because now we kind of know that at this exact moment. Cinder is in her cell, possibly talking with Dr. Erlon, because we know it was relatively early in the morning that Dr. Erlon came into her cell and was talking to her about, you know, you need to escape. I'm going to Africa in three minutes. Uh-huh. So it's nice to know that we get a little bit of a timeline. We know what Cinder is up to right this exact second. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's adjusting for time zones and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. It would still be earlier in the Eastern Commonwealth. And yeah. 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 Because if you, I think when I first read this, I never made that connection. So the whole cu- first couple chapters of Scarlet, I was like, okay, this is great, but what's Cinder up to? But now if you think about the timeline, we haven't missed anything in Cinder's story because this is kind of happening somewhat simultaneously. Yes. Yeah, we're just expanding our world and seeing what's happening in, happening in other parts of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love the world building. Yeah. And I love just the thought well, love slash hate, just the thought of this whole town is in this tavern and they're all just gossipy little shits and just being terrible about this girl who, as far as I'm concerned as a human, but as far as they're concerned, it's something to just be mocked and they're just all talking all about her. This is Um, also, before I forget, this is the second half of an egg hatch that hatched last book because this is the news footage that we talked about. Yes. Cinder. Viral. Yeah. This is how it went viral. And, and we meet Roland, who was mentioned in the last chapter. He seems delightful. (laughs) First, first words out of his mouth. They should have put her out of her misery when she fell on those stairs. I'd have put a bullet right through her head and good riddance. Yeah, he seems like he has a bit of an ego. And I believe, did I did I ask in the last chapter whether he was Gaston in this world? <laughs> I think did you I- did mention maybe, maybe that's Gaston character. And it definitely seems like uh, we're getting a little closer to that type of person. Yeah, he's no shrinking violet. He's just, he's in this rowdy bar, but he is... You know, just going to throw his opinion out because he's in charge. I'm actually a little frustrated that everyone is so quick to condemn Cinder. I mean, I know that to her, to them, it's just a cyborg girl. and We already know and get more of the prejudice in this society against cyborgs. But everybody hates the Lunar Queen. And they apparently think she was trying to kill the Lunar Queen. You'd think they would be like, oh, bummer, she missed, you know? Yeah, I think, though... I don't know that they necessarily believe that she was trying to kill the queen because it does say like, oh, maybe she was trying to assassinate the emperor, but just pretending that she was trying to assassinate the queen. They just don't trust lunars and they don't respect cyborgs. Yeah. So there are a lot of strikes against her in this world. I think also not that not just that they don't respect cyborgs to a certain extent. It kind of also feels like they don't trust cyborgs either. Uh huh. I know that our interactions have been limited, but just from what we've seen with Roland and the people in the bar and Chang Sasha, it does seem like the prejudice comes from a place of misgiving. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, after that, we get to we get to see a little bit about the handsome street fighter. 
Yes. Yeah. Scarlet recognized right away because he's beat up, but because he's the only one there that she doesn't know. So she didn't realize she'd been staring at him until his gaze shifted and collided with hers. His eyes were unnaturally green, like sour grapes still on the vine. I really loved that. Absolutely. Yeah. And Scarlet is now understanding what Emily was swooning about saying he has these eyes. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And he's rather disheveled and scarred and all of that. But then he has these eyes and he has three plates in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) He has been eating for a while. (laughs) Not an all you can eat buffet. This is a tavern. So um, he's ordering like crazy. He's apparently had something greasy and some sort of egg salad, and he did not eat his tomatoes or lettuce. We have another tomato here. I also wanted to point out, because I thought for sure it was going to be Ashley's quote, and I was disappointed to find out I was wrong, where Scarlett says, are you sure you don't want us to just bring you the whole pig? Yes, I love this. (laughs) As soon as I read that, I was like, is that going to be Ashley's quote? Because that feels like an Ashley quote. It does. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. I got a good chuckle out of that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would save the servers the trouble. <laughs> um, and then, you know, on the, on the next page here, he, he says that the food is good. And Scarlett's like, seriously, like, this is not, this is a greasy, disgusting tavern. Like, <laughs> This is not good. Um, and apparently, apparently he's not even eating the best part of the meal. No, yes, and Scarlet seems almost a little offended. She is like, seriously, you don't even want the tomato. Well, okay, you know, the lettuce is gross, but you don't even want the tomato. <laughs> but and she literally says they're the best part. Yeah, she's yeah. proud of the vegetables. And here's yeah. the weird thing. Oh, I've never tried them. Yeah. <laughs> He's never tried tomatoes. Yeah, this is a little surprising, I guess. I don't know if it's just me, but I love tomatoes. You. <laughs> Especially I, those little cherry tomatoes. Like, I munch on those like they're potato chips. I only love cooked tomatoes. Gross. I hate cooked tomatoes. Really? I love cooked tomatoes. And they can be just barely cooked. If they're like Romas in a panini or something, like just barely cooked is great. But I don't really care for them raw. No, I pretty much only eat them raw. I really love the little cherry tomatoes. Like I said, I munch on those a lot. Or like just a regular sliced tomato with a little salt and a little pepper. But I'm a bunny and I eat lots of vegetables and fruit. So <laughs> Tomatoes were Max's favorite food for a while. Okay. And um, he discovered grapes. I love grapes. And so now whenever he has one of those little like grape tomatoes, he gets mad at it because it's not a grape, it's a tomato. <laughs> <laughs> but he still he still does like tomatoes, you know. Yeah. If popped up or whatever, he'll and he knows what they are, then he loves them. But Yeah. Anyway, he tastes the tomato. It's not what he expected. But it's not horrible and he wants more. Just tomatoes, just more tomatoes. Yeah. Did you <laughs> did you think it was weird that it says two slabs? Of tomatoes, because I feel like slab is usually a slab of meat, and tomato is usually like slices. I feel like this is Marissa Meyer wanting us to know that these are not thin 
slices of tomato. These are nice thick slices, like slab thick. Like I'm picturing like almost an, like half an inch to an inch thick slice of a good, like hearty, dense tomato. Okay, that's a good point. Like not one of those watery, juicy things you get when they're out of season or something. Like this is like a good, like meaty. It's a meaty tomato in my yeah. head. Yeah. Slab of, slab of tomato. Yeah. I think that's I think, a, a good point. I think that makes a lot of sense. Marissa Meyer just being specific, letting us yeah. picture what it is. Yeah. Ugh. And she's she's a little braggy about these tomatoes <laughs> and how perfect they are. And then I get frustrated with her because she's like, you know, I don't actually work. No, how the f*** would he know that you don't work there? You brought him his food. I mean, unless they wear uniforms, which I doubt they do. Yeah, he would have no idea. And she didn't just bring him his food. She's also clearing away the dishes. He has three plates there. He has ordered, I would assume, that he's been there a while and that he didn't just order like three meals off the bat i'm picturing like he ordered his egg salad he ordered his greasy thing he ordered whatever came with the tomatoes like back to back to back not all at once so whoever brought him the second and third dishes didn't clear the old ones and yet we have scarlet just getting done taking away the dirty dishes even though she doesn't work there yeah she works harder there than the actual staff yeah and i i mean like from her perspective, I guess maybe she's like, no, I don't work here. I have, I'm the farm girl, you know, and everything. But from his perspective, like you said, she, she brought him his food. She's clearing the place. She goes, enjoy. And then she's like, don't you want this part of the food? Like, yeah. I, I get why she's like, I don't work here. But her comment of, you know, I don't actually work here. How the f would he know that? He would not. Oh, before I forget. In today's episode, there was shit of mine that didn't get bleeped. Are you sure? Yes. Oh. It was where I said it and then you said it and yours was bleeped and mine that I said like kind of right before, wasn't it? Oh, well, it's out there now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh, We didn't start bleeping until like episode five anyways. So letting one get past is fine. Sorry, everybody. For episode 31, there was a whoopsies. (laughs) I do my best with the editing. No, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so after she has this tomato discussion with this fellow with the eyes, we go back to the people in the bar discussing Cinder and taking bets on... And I know they're they're just joking, but this just really upset me. First, let's I want to talk about the way that it's described, because this is an outside literal video perspective of the garden. And in Cinder, we were getting kind of her perspective. So this is what the garden looks like, according to the net screens. They showed a lush garden flourishing with bamboo and lilies and sparkling from a recent downpour. The red warmth of the ball spilled down a grand staircase. The security camera was above the door, angled toward the long shadows that stretched out into the path. It was beautiful, tranquil. A moment later, the cyborg girl appeared on the screen. She bolted from the doorway and down the stairs, shattering the garden's serenity with her billowing silver gown. Scarlet held her breath, knowing what happened next, but she still flinched when the girl stumbled and fell. She crashed down the steps and landed awkwardly at their base, sprawled across the rocky path. 
Though there was no sound, Scarlet imagined the girl panting as she rolled onto her back and gawked up at the doorway. Shadows cut across the stairs and a series of unrecognizable figures appeared above her. Having heard the story dozens of times, Scarlet sought out the missing foot still on the stairs, the light from the ballroom glinting off the metal, the girl's cyborg foot. And then, like, I'm not going to read the whole thing, although I would really love to. You know, it also talks about the prince walking down and picking up the foot and her. Again, we get the prince, no, the emperor now, walking down the steps and picking up the foot and her trying to cover her leg with her dress. And I love, love, love this line. She couldn't hide the dead tentacle wires dangling from their metal stump. Yes. Oh, I can't. I mean, you can just picture the whole thing. And I love the red warmth of the ball spilled down a grand staircase. Red because the lantern. Yes. Like not every ball is going to glow red. Yes. And I love the attention to detail that we get from Marissa Meyer because she could have reeled it in here and she didn't. Mm-hmm. We get to see the whole thing. I've even even down to the the fact that you can see the shadows of people in the doorway later on Emily is like they say one of those shadows is the queen we see the prince know the emperor now so mm-hmm. even in another country this is a transition that the world is still making together picking up the foot and it's not just that he picks up the foot it's that you see the girl reaching for the hem of her skirt and trying to cover her legs it's not just that she's laying there without a foot. You, She couldn't hide the dead tentacle wires dangling from their metal stump. The detail in these two scenes where even, I mean, this is probably like, what, 15 seconds of footage on a net screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I thought it was so wonderful to get that. And we get a little bit of an egg hatch here, too, because... Cinder, when she saw this video, was like, oh, every Earthen is going to be happy to get rid of me and I'm going to be executed. But we see that Scarlet actually sympathizes with her a lot and will even go so far later in the chapter as to jump up on the bar and defend her to a tavern full of drunk men. So at least there's one person who doesn't condemn her. Yes. And this person, and a person who doesn't even know her. Right. Yeah. Scarlet is awesome. (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, The way that she stands up to the people in this bar, like this bar is a rough place. These people, the way that they're talking about Cinder, like they have no respect for cyborgs, lunars, women, anything. The sexism here is disgusting. Okay. Yes. Because thank you. Because this book was written before hashtag me too. So clearly these guys didn't get the memo that, this is hundreds of years into the future. You need to not like make rape jokes. Like this is not okay. Yeah. And unfortunately I have no doubt in my mind that hundreds of years in the future, there will still be men that behave this way. And even women, I don't want to sexist. I don't want to make it sexist. There are women who behave in disrespectful ways towards other genders as well. And the other thing I wanted to point out because I thought it was kind of cool in my notes, I wrote "Ugh, pig. And then I saw that she had said swine like two sentences later. And I thought that was great because Roland, they talk about how it's not, it's the most disgusting thing and someone should put her out of her misery. And then someone at the near end of the bar said Mm -hmm. he would love to take her home. Yeah. That she's kind of cute pretending to be helpless and innocent and they should let her come stay with him instead of sending her back to the moon. And then somebody else is just laughing about, how the metal leg wouldn't be 
you know, nice to cuddle with or whatever is that this guy's going to cuddle. And I want to give Marissa Meyer props here because she didn't need to include this. This is very intentional. And I think that she wanted us to know that the world is like this. She wanted us to know that men are like this, that people are like this, that this is the type of world that Scarlett lives in. This is why she is this fierce, spicy, gung-ho person that she is, because she kind of has to be. Otherwise, how is she going to make it in this type of world? And I also like that she included these types of people, because while there are men out in the world and women out in the world who are wonderful, who would never behave this way and who think it's, you know, disgusting and should be like what uh, Wolf ends up saying, where it's disrespectful and it should have consequences. There are people in the world who genuinely do not give a shit and they will behave this way until their dying day. And it's important to include those types of people because they are real and they're out there and there's no reason to ignore that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, the, the only reason I say that is because, and this is just, you know, personal thing. I sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts or people talk, I hear, complaints about certain characters you know like uh um for example one that comes to my mind is lavender brown from harry potter i'm not going to say who or what but there's a podcast that i listen to and the girl is constantly saying that lavender brown is a horrible character and she's a bad influence on women and it's anti-feminist and i hate that because lavender brown is a person She Mm -hmm. is a giggly girl who gets overly in love and gossips and loves to hang out with her friends. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I know lots of girls like that. And saying that it's not okay to behave that way just tells all the girls that act like that, that they're not good enough for you and your society because you think it's anti-feminist to be giggly and gossipy. But it's okay to have personality traits. And Even if you don't agree with those personality traits, obviously we don't agree with the personality traits of these men here. It's still important to acknowledge that they exist in the world and to include them in the world and make them a part of the story. Absolutely. Yeah. And anybody who thinks that Lavender Brown is not a strong, powerful woman just because she's giggly and obsessed with boys really needs to listen to Dolly Parton's America. Um, (laughs) Because Dolly is the same way, but she is a badass. And yeah, that just, it was a limited, it was a limited run. I think it just wrapped up and that, it just made me think a lot about the way we devalue traits that we find too girlish or, you know, overly feminine or whatever. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with. And it makes me think of the song Most Girls by Haley Steinfeld. I don't know if you've heard it. It's one of my favorites. I love it. It's okay if you want to change something about yourself, but it's okay if you love yourself the way you are. It's okay if you like makeup or if you don't like makeup. You feel the best way about yourself when you feel that way about yourself. And it's okay to feel that way no matter what. You know, like I don't like to wear makeup, but Ashley does. You know, Ashley and I are pretty fond of wearing skirts, but I like big, bright colors like springtime and pastels and Ashley prefers darker tones and black tones. And, you know, like you said, you wear a lot of pink and those are just our choices and our choices really define who we are. And those shouldn't be held against us. And I know we're way off topic, but the lavender brown thing is just something that I thought of because I hear it. I hear it a lot where we get, and I guess a better example would probably be Barney from How I Met Your Mother, who is this, you know, womanizing jerk. But 
they included him as a character, and I think it's good that they did, because guess what? There are people like him in the world. And it's not like they tolerate it. The other characters are constantly talking about how much of a pig he is and how he shouldn't act that way and how disrespectful it is to women and things like that. And I get that, you know, we don't want to surround ourselves with characters like that, but let's be transparent and let's be honest. There are people like this in the world. And you know, disacknowledging them from the school, from the story and excluding them from the story doesn't make them exist any less. Perfect. I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make them exist any less. Yeah. So, um, anyways, let's move on from Bethany's soapbox. Um, <laughs> so these people are making these, what they think are jokes, but what are really not great um humming and scarlet is fed up and she calls them swine and she (laughs) anger clawed its way back up scarlet's throat and again she's got these anger issues she's slamming the plates down and everyone is startled by her sudden slamming and and before you know it she's just behind the bar she's up on the bar and she's pulling out the netlink cable, which is funny to me that it's hundreds of years in the future and we still have hardwired internet because I don't have hardwired internet at my house. I have, it's all completely wireless and all hell breaks loose. They are pretty mad. A roar of protest bellowed up around her. Yes. She accidentally kicked a bottle of wine. She started saying, you all should have some respect. This girl is going to be executed. And a woman goes, that's a girl. That girl's a lunar. She should be executed. And so we get this this image that everybody's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They start to call her grandma an old crazy goose. Yeah. And that's when Scarlet loses it. Roland says, hey, everyone, calm down. Give Scarlet a break. We all know crazy runs in her family. First, that old goose runs off. And now Scar's defending lunar rights. Oh, this is crazy. My grandma's not crazy. <laughs> Without knowing how she'd gotten off the counter, she was suddenly halfway over the bar, bottles and glasses shattering, her fist connecting with Roland's ear. She smashed him in the ear with her wrist, like with her fist. Like she didn't just slap him across the face, which would be the typical girl reaction in society. She punched him in the ear. That had to hurt like a mother. And she wasn't done there. She grabs the front of his shirt and starts going, did you tell my detective he was crazy? Like, she loses her mind. This is not a good way to prove you're not crazy. And she's shoving him with both hands. And they're going back and forth about her grandmother and chasing off the escort salesman with a rifle. And to the point where, like, Scarlett is shoving her. And Emily, like, try is trying to get in between them to stop it and which is funny because like emily is like this little blonde girl and she's trying to break up a fight between scarlet and essentially gaston which is funny to me but all of a sudden i do want to mention that they describe granny benoit and why she was so crazy with the way she keeps herself holed up in that old house talks to animals and androids like they're people chases folks away with a rifle one time and he was an escort salesman i love that part <laughs> one time she told someone with a rifle <laughs> that was one time oh my god did i ever tell you that when jerry and i went to my parents house 
um, because we were going to get engaged and he wanted to like, you know, ask for dad's blessing or whatever. My dad like knew what was coming and got his gun out and started cleaning it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you see the Twilight movies? No. Oh. I read the movies aren't perfect, but the actor that plays Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> um, the actor that plays Charlie is sheer perfection. And one of my favorite scenes is when Edward comes to the house to meet Charlie and he's like at the, he's a cop. So he's at the table cleaning his gun and he's, and Bella's like, he wants to meet you. And Charlie's like, fine, click, click, send him in. <laughs> That's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. So anyways. Roland stands back up. He's rounding on Scarlet. He's like, you better be careful. You're going to crazy too. Table legs screeched against tile. And then the fighter had one hand wrapped around Roland's neck, lifting him clear off the floor. Which is, can you imagine like straight arm grasping, lifting a grown man that way? Because I can barely lift my 30 pound children that way. Not by their necks. Don't worry. But like, like if I have like both of their hands or if I have one of their legs or something in my hand and I want to just like straight arm lift it, I can barely do it. And they are 27 and a half pounds. This is yeah. a whole room. I was thinking the same thing too, because like, obviously my shoulder hinders me now, but like scamp is 30 pounds. I can pick scamp up just fine, but Beowulf is 65 pounds. Mm-hmm. I can't just grab Beowulf. I have to like get in a squat position, use my legs, got both arms going and things like that. But I mean, you're right. This isn't just lifting a grown man. This is one arm straight out right off the ground, a grown yeah. man. Let's and assume that he is not like a fit grown man either. So he's got, let's say he's like, I don't know, 180 to 200 pounds. That's freaking heavy. Yes. And he's being grabbed by the neck. And I, you know, we don't know how tall either of these fellas are, but I'm assuming that they're both kind of, you know, average man height. I'm not picturing anybody like Hagrid height or anything. Right. So reach out to grab somebody by the neck and your arm is, you know, shoulder height-ish. It's real hard to, you know, grab something and start with something heavy from there. Like, like it's easier for me to like pick heavy stuff up from like a lower angle. Yeah. Yeah, like I just talked about, we're having to squat and use my legs. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Yeah, and it's also like, it's kind of terrifying too, because like you said, we don't know how big these people are. This is one hand wrapped around a neck. Now, I don't know about you, but if these two people are anywhere close to my husband's size, in terms of like, if I put my hand around my own neck, Uh it's not very big. You know, yeah. so like, I mean, I can't imagine you're not getting, it's not like you're getting your hand wrapped around the whole thing. Right. Yeah. You'd have to have so much grip strength. And you'd have to be squeezing really hard because half of your hand is just your thumb. Yeah. Which, I mean, that makes sense. Roland is gagging, you know. You're going to kill him. Let him go. And on top of all of this, the street fighter then takes his other arm. Mm-hmm. And pulls the, there's a gentleman trying to save Roland, basically. Yes. He grasped the fighter's wrist, but he might have grabbed an iron bar for as much as the limb budged. Flushing, the man let go and pulled back for a punch. But as soon as he swung, the fighter's free hand came up and blocked it. Okay, so the street fighter has skills. Uh, clearly, yes. <laughs> yeah, this guy, uh, 
Yeah. Also, like, the whole reason he's doing this is you were being disrespectful. Okay, yes, but she attacked him. Right. She, like, punched him, grabbed him by the shirt, shoved him on the ground. Like, she's obviously not the one in physical danger here. Obviously not. Um, (laughs) And even when he retaliated, he didn't retaliate by physically attacking her. He just used his words. Yeah. (laughs) Like... I don't even know. Yeah. (laughs) This part made me think of, like, Mom! Because Gilles comes out, and he's like, what's going on? And I immediately heard this in, like, a children's voice. Like, this guy's trying to start a fight. Yeah, and Scarlet broke the screen. Look, Mom, Scarlet broke the screen. And then Scarlet, like, I didn't break it, you idiot. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it really is, like, children fighting. Which, you know, in a small town... You know, everybody knows each other. You know, everybody's hanging out at this tavern all the time, gossiping. This is like a family. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I really found that to be, it's just so amusing. This whole scene is really intense and there's a lot going on. And it's nice to have a tiny moment of humor in there. And perhaps if you didn't read it that way, you'll read it that way now and it'll make you chuckle. So, but yeah, Gilles comes out. He blames Scarlet for all the destruction, which is kind of true. Yeah. Yeah, she was kicking around bottles and pulling out cable cords and punching people. Like, it's kind of her fault. I mean, they were being disrespectful jerks about Cinder, but they were just talking. You know, nobody was being violent or causing a ruckus or anything. She started it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like we said, she might have some anger problems. It turns out maybe Grandma had some anger problems, too, because Gilles comes out and says the only reason he goes to Grandma is because he's scared of her. Yeah. Do you really think you're the only working farm in France? Honestly, Scar, I only order from you because your grandmother would give me hell if I didn't. <laughs> Ooh, not much to bargain with, Scar. So the street fighter has calmed down a little bit, I guess, and goes to help Emily up, and she's... She says thank you. Her gaze glowed with infatuation as she let herself be pulled to her feet. So she's just a little smitten kitten. And he tries to pay for his food and the damages, which the damages are not his fault. So I I think he's trying to do the right thing, I guess. But uh, Gilles says, I don't want your money. Just get out. Yeah. And they're both outcast, unwanted and crazy. Yeah. But she also says this man was trouble. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I already picked a song title for this, but now I, I I saw This Man is Trouble, and I was thinking that I knew you were a Trouble song by Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I should have picked that one. Well, we'll get to it. Anyways, this man was trouble. He fought people for a living, or perhaps even for fun. She wasn't sure which was worse. And that's kind of where it ends. The street fighter dips his head and leaves, and Scarlet couldn't help thinking that he looked no more menacing than a scolded dog. Yeah, like he's just slunking out of the tavern with his tail between his legs. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. So there was one tomato and six eggs in this chapter. Wow. Um, That's a lot of eggs. And remember, if you join the Patreon, you'll get a chance to uh, discuss with me what all those eggs are. So the song I originally chose for this was Grandma's Garden by Zac Brown Band. But now I kind of like I Knew You Were Trouble by Taylor Swift. What did you choose as the chapter title? Okay, so I went and listened to your Zach Brown suggestion. And I came up more with, like, I was thinking more about the imagery of the bar 
and the description of the tavern and the small town and stuff. So I was like, oh, no, we need like a country drinking song. So I was like, okay, Toby Keith. (laughs) Yeah. With like, I love this bar by Toby Keith. Okay. Um, Or, of course, the Gaston song from Beauty and the Beast. Or thinking about Grandma Benoit being nutso. Gnarls Barkley, crazy. Okay. So those were the ones that I wanted to propose. You know what we'll do is we'll put this on the Patreon for a vote. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that, too. I was going Grandma's Garden because I was thinking so much about, like, the grandma herself and how she had the garden and stuff. But I definitely, as soon as I read that line, I was like, how I'm a Taylor Swift person. Like, how did I not think of that? So anyways, Bethany was wrong about Ashley's quote. She actually picked a different one. Ashley's quote was page 14. After a hesitant moment, he released his drinking glass and picked up the two slabs of tomato and shoved them into his mouth. And she said she picked this one because she could picture herself shoving tomatoes in her mouth. (laughs) Which, like, can't we all? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what's your quote, Becca? So mine was this description of his eyes were unnaturally green like sour grapes still on the vine. Yeah, and I love green eyes, you know. You do? I have green eyes. I know, so do I. Yeah, mine are like the... A similar kind of green as yours, I think, but I think yours might be a little lighter and mine might be a, I'm not actually 100% sure. (laughs) But green eyes are only 2% of the population, so we're special. We are special. (laughs) (laughs) So my quote was, the fighter's pale eyes darted to Scarlet and for a moment she sensed a connection between them. I thought that was great after that interaction with the everybody's yelling at the fighter and it's like he kind of was trying to do the right thing, but he's obviously got a little bit of aggression in him. And then Scarlett has this moment where we see so many sides to a person we don't know. She seems very like spicy and fierce and throwing bottles and punching people in the head, but she sympathizes for a lunar cyborg who, for all intents and purposes, just tried to murder the emperor of what we can only assume is a ally country. And she's even defending a street fighter who from the looks of it could have choked a man to death in a matter of seconds by simply picking him up off the ground by his neck. So we see like a lot of sides to this character that we don't really know yet that she's definitely got some anger issues, but she's capable of sympathy in a very real way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and she, you know, it says, here they were both outcasts, unwanted, crazy. She, yeah, she sympathizes with the underdog and the outcast because that's who she apparently is. That's who she, that's how she feels about herself. Yeah. Okay. So time for chapter three. We pick up right where we left off. Scarlet's taken back all her food. It would have been a lot cooler if she could just storm out. But this is kind of feels a little tantrum-y that she's taken back all her produce in a big old huff. It really does. And then Gilles sees her at it, and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Scar, I didn't mean all that out there. Yeah, like, so now he's saying that he just has to be tough in front of the crowd, you know. Yeah, um, and I mean, he's he's not, it reminds me of that scene in Friends where it's like, is this your first apology? Because you suck at it. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Yeah, and then he says, you know, I like your grandmother. I like you. Yes, she overcharges. You know, yeah, you're a pain. 
you're both crazy, but... You know. And then Scarlet gets all upset, and he's like, okay, but you're the one who jumped on the bar and started making speeches, so... It's valid. It really it's valid. Yeah. And we could have, I mean, we could have a million conversations about how, you know, the word crazy is is not really a... I, there's a lot of people who don't like the word crazy because they're like, well, that's not a medical diagnosis. Okay, nobody using the word crazy is like, this is a medical diagnosis. You know, right. they use it to describe someone that they find to be a little off kilter. And it doesn't seem like they're that off base here. But it looks like she had a right to be braggy because he says she has the best tomatoes in France. Yes. Which, I mean, I'm picturing them as some pretty nice tomatoes. So I know. It really makes me want tomato and guacamole salad. Oh, yeah. I don't like guacamole. Oh, I love guacamole. I wish I did. I don't like avocado. It's too slimy. Ooh, I love avocado. Yeah. I never considered it. Well, I don't know. When I was... Um, vegetarian i ate it a lot but i always liked it even before then but you know when you slice a banana and the surface is slimy mm-hmm. that's how i picture avocado slices as like that type of but guacamole is mashed avocado yeah mashed banana grosses me out as much as sliced if not more that's fair that's fair mashed banana grosses me out but mashed avocado is is better to me than sliced but yeah, it just makes me want to eat tomatoes. And I have a whole bunch of those grape tomatoes in my fridge because, like I said, I like to eat them. So here we find out just a little bit. We didn't get anything in the last chapter, but here we find out that Scarlet has red hair. Which is not super surprising to be named Scarlet. Well, also, if you look at the cover of the book, you can see an elbow and red hair flying in the wind. Oh, you sure can. I had never yeah. noticed that, actually. I only noticed the stuff to the left, the fabric. Or... Yeah, there's the big fabric, and then in the bottom right-hand corner, you see an arm with an elbow, and then there's red hair billowing behind and the... that's some red hair. Yes, yes. Quentin's hair used to be that red. Whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah wow. he used to have, like, clown red hair. My yeah. mother is um, a ginger. She's a redhead. And she had more like Judy Garland Auburn type hair. Uh, that's what my grandmother had. Yeah. 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 <sighs> anyway, we find out she has this red hair. And I love this. She's putting the potatoes back. She's listening to the cooks chortling over the dining room drama. And already, it's been what, like five seconds? Already. The story of this scene in the tavern has morphed, and all of a sudden, the the legend is that... I really like that line, though. I really like the line of, the story had already taken on a legendary air. Yes! It's, yes. Like, that tele- um, it's like that telephone game. Exactly! Yes, like telephone or telestrations. Yes! Yeah, because already they're saying that... that a, uh, the street fighter broke a bottle over Roland's head, knocking him unconscious, crushing a chair in the process. He would have taken out Gilles, too, if Emily hadn't calmed him down with one of her pretty smiles. Like, this is... This is funny. Yeah. Just, when in reality, in reality, it was kind of Scarlet that calmed him down, not Emily. But he did. But he did help Emily back up. So, yeah, it's it's yeah. really and this is again, I come from a small town. This is exactly how it works. 
Yeah. <laughs> Scarlet has no interest in correcting the story. No, she couldn't care less. She's got her own shit going on. Uh, but before she can even think about her own shit, she can't even finish the thought. She can't even finish the thought about her grandmother. It's too upsetting. But she's really far behind schedule. We find out she does run a farm, Benoit Farms and Gardens. And she realizes she's behind schedule. She starts thinking about like, all right, I got to get to Laos in the morning because my grandma could be helpless and forgotten and dead. And Okay, as a reader, we know that she used to be in the military as a wing commander. And yeah. apparently she likes to chase people off with a gun. So I'm guessing, and we find out later she gave Scarlett a gun for her 11th birthday. I'm guessing she's not too helpless. No, I'm thinking that if she was kidnapped somehow, she definitely did not go quietly. She yeah. she would be quite a lot to... Uh, she would be um, Neville's grandmother. Yes! Oh, totally. Yeah, where they send, like, two Death Eaters to kidnap her because they think that she's just a helpless old woman and she addles their brains so much that they go insane. Like, she's Neville's grandmother, I think, where it's like, okay, she's an old lady, but that doesn't make her an old lady. (laughs) Absolutely. And then (sighs) we have to think about this. Scarlett says, why, why, why? So Scarlet might not know why. We, as the readers, are thinking maybe this has a connection to, you know, why Nancy thought she was involved with Celine. But Scarlet is, like, completely baffled and dumbfounded as to why her grandmother would disappear. Yeah, she has no idea, but we kind of have an inkling. Yeah. And it means that Scarlet and her grandmother might not be as close as Scarlet thought if she doesn't know why. Yeah, which that's kind of a big emotional thing, but... yeah. Scarlet is putting her ship back together, slamming the hatch, and there's the fighter looking at her, watching her. And he says that he wanted to make sure that she was all right. She says, I'm better off than Roland. His neck was already starting to bruise when I left. And this is where he says he deserved worse. Again, Scarlet attacked him. This does seem like kind of outsized anger here. Like, yeah, the guy's being kind of a douche, but like, I mean, people like everybody is sometimes and, you know, some people are a lot of the time and, you know, it's just whatever. (laughs) But yeah, he was rude and disrespectful and sexist and, you know, misogynistic and creepy and disgusting and out. we can come up with a bunch of words but literally she attacked him and he never even once tried to physically defend himself so i'm not sure he deserved worse i'm not even sure he deserved what he got right yeah like, probably not maybe he should have just got a stern talking to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but then the fighter man you know he first he's saying that roland deserved worse and then he's saying that he was worried that scarlet was going to shoot him because apparently this girl's packing I do love, though, that she was like, I obviously have the situation under control. And he goes, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a little bit of spice out of him, too. But yeah, Scarlet's packing. Yeah, she. Yeah. And apparently this gun was a gift for her 11th birthday. Yeah. Happy Um, 11th birthday. Here's an automatic weapon. (laughs) Which I don't know that I would give my 11 year olds a handgun. Um, I I don't know. I mean, yes, you know, whatever, full disclosure, like, yeah, my kids will learn gun safety and like, yeah, I enjoy going to like 
the range and like shooting at targets or whatever. But you're not packing. No, I don't carry it around with me. I will say this. I will say this. My stepmom packs. Yeah. My stepmom is five foot four and weighs like 110 pounds. She is a very tiny person. And she has a a pink one that my dad bought for her. It's pink camouflage. Oh, that's funny. Um, (laughs) A lot of my in-laws have their concealed carry permits and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so but she tucks it. it. She tucks it into her pants underneath her usual <laughs> red hoodie. That Mad Eye Moody as um, the you'll professor. blow off your buttocks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> don't put your wand in your back pocket. Buttocks. <laughs> yeah, don't uh, don't put your bond your wand in your back pocket. Better wizards than you have blown off their buttocks. Yeah. Actually, though, one of my nephews does keep his there all the time. His wander, his gun. <laughs> oh, he's a muggle. It's a gun. <laughs> I did want to talk about, so she's been defending her grandma while everyone calls her grandma crazy, but she says her grandma gave her a paranoid warning. The word paranoid mm-hmm. is a little closer to the word crazy. A little. Yeah. Um, because she's 11 and she gets it with the paranoid warning. You just never know when a stranger will want to take you somewhere you don't mean to go. Okay, this is really eerie since now she's missing. Exactly. Yeah. Which we as the reader can kind of see why Grandma Benoit was, you know, paranoid. It wasn't really paranoia. It was, you know, she knows things. And yeah, there are people that would want her to not do whatever it is that she's doing. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a one hundred percent rational and healthy fear. But yeah. Scarlet not knowing that calls her grandmother's warning paranoid. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to me that she would use the word paranoid because she could have just said her grandma's warning. Yeah. You know. Oh, for sure. Because also, we get the impression that there's some untrustworthy men in this area that she lives in. We know that she's a woman. She's probably, if nothing else, she's 18 and young. But she's probably not unattractive. And you don't even have to be super duper attractive to become a victim or anything. So, I mean, if nothing else, you could be like, she's a woman. She could easily be in danger and become a victim to these men in the area. Here's a gun to protect you. It's not about that. Right. It's a paranoid warning about a stranger taking you somewhere you don't want to go. And that feels very deliberate to me. It's very specific. Yes, absolutely. Because, like, I have mace. It's not sure. because a stranger might take me somewhere I don't want to go. It's because I'm a small person and my husband and my dad and all the other people in my life have always been like, you're a small person. You should have a way to defend yourself. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do it with your body. Here's, you know, a small way. I've never had to use it, but I I take it with me everywhere I go. Is it gel or foam? It's gel. Good. I was hoping it wasn't aerosol in case you ever did have to use it because that is problematic. No, it's gel. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I have, have, I mean, I have one. My husband is over six feet tall and over 200 pounds and he has one. Yeah. Yeah, when we were living at the campground in Louisville, and I would go out alone in the very early morning, and there were people staying there that we didn't know, and the whole place was mostly deserted and, you know, right by the railroad tracks, and you didn't know 
who was yeah. in that next to you. Yeah, I, I carried it when I had to go to like to the shower and stuff at six in the morning. Yeah. I mean, part of it is like, so I grew up with a single dad who had three daughters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's enough to make a man somewhat paranoid. It, my sister's, I mean, like I've said before, my sister Lindsay has blonde hair, blue eyes, is like 5'11". I mean, she's a very attractive person. And I would be, I was worried about her a lot when she was younger. Um, so my my dad was always very transparent about like, okay, this is what you need to do if you're in certain situations. And obviously Scarlett's grandmother isn't concerned about her well-being in terms of the fact that she's a woman. She's just concerned about the fact that a stranger might take you away. Yeah. It's not that someone might rob you. It's not that someone might try to, you know, heaven forbid, sexually assault you. It's not that, you know, an escort salesperson might come on your lawn when you don't want them. It's specifically a stranger that might take you somewhere you don't want to go. And I just felt like that was really deliberate. Absolutely. And is this where we find out Scarlett's age? Or do we already know that she's 18? Because she was 11 when she was given the gun and seven years later. We found out in the last chapter, in chapter one, actually, that she was 18 because her mother or her grandmother missed her 18th birthday. Oh, right. Right, right, right. But this is where we find out that she usually wears a red hoodie. Yes, she usually wears a red hoodie. She's packing uh, and she has to go. But the street fighter wants more tomatoes because he's still hungry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and now he gets carrots, too, which he doesn't know what they are. Yes, he doesn't know what carrots are. Like, is he from another planet? Is he an alien? Like, how does he not know what carrots are? I know it makes you question, like, okay, are, you know, farms becoming, uh, I don't know, maybe carrots are scarce. It, I don't know. It's just there's not really a good explanation as to why someone wouldn't know what a carrot. OK, I can get that you've never had a tomato. Like maybe you know what one is, but you don't like vegetables. So you never tried it. But like you don't know what a carrot is. And that's what she's saying, too. She's like, are you serious? Yeah. 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 Also, our carrots are a big favorite of mine, too. I love carrots and sweet potatoes. I adore carrots no matter how they're prepared. I like it's the easiest recipe in the world red onions and zucchini and squash and baby carrots sliced in the middle and sweet potatoes and you bake it in the oven and it's absolutely delicious it's just like a little salt and pepper and water and it's I eat it with white rice it's one of my favorite meals because all I eat like I said all I eat are vegetables um (laughs) and fruits and stuff but it's just crazy that he doesn't he's never had a tomato before he doesn't even know what carrots are but he's really grateful for the food yeah yeah and he seems embarrassed that he admitted that he didn't know what carrots were. Like, he realizes that apparently this is weird. I do like the part where it says their gazes clashed and the awkwardness was immediate. Did you catch that? Yes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. And then we find out something cool. She opens her ship with her ID scanner. Oh, yeah. Like those um, minivans or whatever where you, like, put your foot under it to open the hatch. Quentin Um, has um, a sensor on his car. What? And if he has his keys with him, he pushes a button on the car and it opens. You don't have to enter a code or anything. You just hit the... And it's not even like an actual button. It's more like a sensor. Like if you put your thumb, like you just barely rest your thumb on it and it feels your thumb and then it, it just oh, it unlocks it. Wow. Some futuristic sh- 
going on. <laughs> no kidding. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> oh, dear. So, again, she's uh, she's about to leave, but he wants to know if she needs a farmhand because he'll work for food. <laughs> <laughs> and so she jokes that after seeing the evidence of your appetite in there, I think I'd lose my shirt with a deal like that. <laughs> but now he's thinking about her not wearing a shirt. <laughs> I mean, he's got these eyes and now she's blushing because he's picturing her topless and i don't i don't know anyway and we find out his name well we find out they call him wolf at the fights yeah wolf how predatory yeah (laughs) and then she felt bad because maybe it was a beloved nickname Mm (laughs) okay and i love her reaction well they call me scarlet Yes, like the hair. What a clever observation. And he's like, what hair? So it's like, okay, this guy's a little (laughs) sheltered, maybe. He doesn't seem to pick up on social cues very well. Uh, He kind of has a little bit of an overreaction about uh, interacting with men and women. He doesn't know what vegetables are. He wants to work for food. He beats people up for a living. (laughs) Yeah, and he's kind of, it seems like he's never been in the world before. Like... (laughs) He, he like doesn't he thinks that the tavern has good food he's socially awkward he doesn't know about vegetables like I really feel like he was just dropped on this planet from out of nowhere yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very strange but she doesn't have the time to get distracted by a hot guy so she mm-hmm. tells him to go to Talaus or Paris if you look for work yeah yeah and he says you know thanks for the tip but if you change your mind, you know, I can be found at the abandoned Morel house most nights. I thought it was interesting that Morel is kind of like moral. And we've been discussing the morals of the people in the bar all episode. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he lives in the moral house. And yeah. And but it's abandoned because this whole town is just savage. Ah, love it. You okay. know what, though? Again, small town. There are lots of abandoned houses. <laughs> No, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. what, what is, you know, what's worth staying for? Yeah, he thinks he might do well on a farm. He's not great with people. Animals love him. And so we get a little sass from Scarlet. I love her sass. Yeah, I'm sure they do. What farm animals don't love a wolf? <laughs> I'm not- uh, that's the end of the chapter. That was so great. So there were seven tomatoes and four eggs. And I picked the song Hungry Like a Wolf by Duran Duran. And so did I. Yay! <laughs> I, think of, I mean, I thought of it immediately, and I was like, yep, nope, that's it. Yeah, that's perfect. He can't stop eating. He wants to work for food. He wants to be on the farm, and they call him Wolf. That, yeah. that song writes itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Ashley's quote, page 25 Scarlet's hand instinctively went to her lower back where a small pistol was warm against her skin. Simply put, Ashley likes guns. Yeah. That's what she said. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What was your quote today? Mine is, she would have smiled, but she didn't have the energy after biting back all the anger and frustration of the afternoon. Mm. Mine's kind of a bummer. Like, for me, because normally I pick the sassy ones, but that just hit me. Yeah. It's a very um, powerful moment. 
Mine was what farm animals don't love a wolf. It made me happy when I read that. I was like, she's fierce. (laughs) So today's chapters had a whopping total of 10 eggs and eight tomatoes. That's a lot of eggs. It's a lot of eggs. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to everybody on the Patreon about the eggs. So, yeah. So for our next episode, please read chapters four and five. Absolutely. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and rate, review, and subscribe. Check out our Patreon. Which is www.patreon.com slash PrinceKaiFanPod. Super simple website. Yes. I tried as well. I went to Patreon and I just typed in Marissa Meyer and we came right up as well. So Awesome. You don't even have to type in our name. We're so easy to find. We are easy to find. Yes. Because I, we are the only Marissa Meyer obsessed podcast, so yeah, yeah. So maybe someday there will be another one, and we can do crossover episodes and be podcast buddies and stuff. <laughs> so until next time, see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Okay, bye. bye. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Rebecca Baker. The logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening.